0: to The first backing paper of 2021. Oh, it's nice to be back on the backing paper, B. Um, and joining me for this first backing paper of 2021 is the ever lovely John Whitmore. John, welcome back to backing paper.
1: Hello, backy backy backing paper.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> uh, see so you're still working on the theme tune. Um, it needs a bit more polishing <laughs> yeah. before we're going to replace our fantastic music from Schnauzer, but you keep going. Um <laughs> at least you've got another tune to to sing to to your daughter (laughs) the musical style we were discussing actually last week weren't we john that you and i have both dallied with music repeatedly Mm -hmm. badly i think between us we've covered almost all the instruments in the band and yet neither (laughs) of us can play a thing
1: we could we could start a two-man band
0: yeah (laughs) it would be a very very bad band.
1: But I think people would enjoy watching it. Yeah, that's Not true. listening to it. Yeah,
0: that's it. true. Well, I mean, we are very much a, a visual spectacle. I think it's safe to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for listeners, um, and I might, I, I might try and clip this out to, to share. But um, we're on video to record this, as always. D- John did just poke himself in the eye with a banana. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely don't do that. Don't try it.
0: Don't I even do it. His pre-podcast preparation. Um, so we are here to do backing paper because we haven't done backing paper since I think October, maybe early November. Uh, it's been a long time, so we've got a few emails to get through and a bit of housekeeping to catch up with. Um, so we really wanted to do that. Um, just quickly before we do, John, how's your week been? What you been up to?
1: uh it's been okay have a i've went out and took some photos a couple of days ago because we've had really thick fog here mm. um which is obviously appealing to go and take some photos in the woods um on that theme as everybody seems to do but you know it's other than that deep into lockdown again so it's kind of getting my head around that and thinking about what projects i'm going to work on while i mm. uh, stuck at home
0: I want to compliment you that your dark shed does look tidier than the last time we spoke. That seems to have got you somewhere. Thank
1: you. I am slowly getting there. I've had a complete change around over Christmas, but I was hoping it was going to be a one day tidy up and it's on probably on day four of tidying up now. I've just I've shifted everything around, moving it like end to end, but I've actually kind of got my paper next to my enlarger now oh. and the sink is actually next to the dev slot mm-hmm. machines that i've got you know so it actually makes sense so yeah it's it's worth doing it's
0: yeah worth doing. no absolutely uh even in my little space maybe even more so in my little space i mean everything is within arm's reach in my shed because it's my arms reach from one <laughs> to the other not because uh, my shed is small it's because i have very very long arms um but it is really important to have stuff set up so it flows (laughs) appropriately. It's going to be really offering watching you eating that banana through this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And um, especially when you're doing it, because with a low light level, um, you've got quite a lot of red lights in there, so you're quite well illuminated, but I've only got one red light, one safe light in there, so once the main light's off, if you put something down slightly out of that light beam, you're not going to find it. Um, Although I have followed the pro tip from being at yours and I have got a little um red colored led light which is super useful um just for just for stupid things like oh you've got everything set up you've got the paper out and then you go oh did I change the aperture on the um enlarger and you put everything away Turn, or you just turn on your torch and it's all good so
1: it's like it's great because if you turn on the main light at that point as well your night vision goes doesn't Mm -hmm. it so then you turn it off again suddenly you've got to acclimatize to the lower light level so yeah having a little torch is it's a useful thing
0: it certainly is it certainly is i have been um doing some stuff in the darkroom as well been having some fun doing some printing trying to just oh yeah
1: about your patch
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so we're planning to um uh, not this week, but next week on the main podcast, we're planning on having a, ca- a catch-up show, a proper catch-up. So we'll talk about all this stuff in more detail. But uh, yeah, I will just sh- share this brief anecdote. Um, I was trying to do a print. These are all just practice, so they're all garbage anyway. But I was trying to do a print of um, our now dead cat Ziggy. Uh, it was a nice picture, and I did a first print. Got it kind of roughly in the right exposure, um, but one eye was super dark because of the way that it was lit. And I went, oh, okay, well, maybe I can just try and lighten that up. And so I did this very precise burn just on his eye. I mean, it was not burn, so I dodge on his eye. It was very precise, wasn't it? You can back me up here. I really must. Yeah. Um, and just burned. It, just, it was white. <laughs> it just made him look horribly <laughs> freaky. It's like, okay, well. I'm just not gonna I, I think I realised then that there was no no detail whatsoever in there to be dodged to, so any dodging was probably gonna end up looking bad unless I could make it the most minute dodge ever and bring a bit of a highlight in, which is beyond my skill level. Um so I decided instead to go with a fix, which was to <laughs> draw an eye patch onto the picture <laughs> <line>. <laughs> Um if you would like to go to our Twitter feed you will see that picture. I think it's I think it's a really great interpretation (laughs) and pirate Ziggy. I'm I'm a little
1: surprised that just wasn't your intent from the outset. (laughs) When I saw the image, I was just like, why would you do anything else with that picture anyway? Yeah,
0: absolutely. (laughs) When life gives you lemons, make lemonade, uh, that's what I say. But yeah, I've been having a lot of fun in the uh, dark shed lately, so that's been pretty sweet. And, yeah, been out with the camera more than in most of last year already. But, like I said, we'll chat about (laughs) this stuff next week Um, because we've got some emails to get through and uh, apologies in advance to everybody who has waited so long for us to get to emails because some of these date back to... Well, mid-November, and um, also, I hope I've caught all of them. I think I have. I've been through and I've checked carefully, but sometimes I miss stuff. Sometimes stuff gets shoved into the wrong doohickey on Chrome, and I just don't see it. So please know that there's no intentional uh, ignoring going on. (laughs) Just the usual unintentional ignoring happening. So we're going to start off our emails with an email from... Mm. (laughs) Hmm... Why did I start with this one? What an <laughs> idiot. Um, this year was entitled Sending Sunny Cheer, and it's from Gary Florzak. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Gary. <laughs> I think it's Gary, or is it Gary? Anyway, I'm pretty sure that I've got the Florzak bit right. It's just Gary I always struggle with. Gary writes in to say, Greetings, Sunny Crew. I hope you are all staying healthy and well. Just reaching out to thank you for your efforts in expanding the Sunny 16 offerings. They have been the proverbial ray of sunlight during our restrictive times. Keep up the good work. Perhaps one of these days I'll expand my range of photography to more than 35mm, but until such times I'll continue to live vicariously through the podcast. I'm not sure if this movie is available on UK Netflix, but I would suggest a watch of Kodachrome. And there's a link here to the Wikipedia for the Kodachrome movie. As you can guess from the title, it has at least a little link to photography. Perhaps it can be a topic for on film best regards and i look forward to all future productions and that's from gary in chicago uh, who is um anagram of gray g-r-a-y on instagram and um www.anagramofgray.com thank you very much gary that's very nice i did um claire obviously not with us this evening neither is rachel they are both I'm um, busy doing actual work, whereas we're busy mucking. This seems to be a recurring theme. Have you noticed that, John? <laughs> ladies are busy working and we're we busy just, not.
1: We're just like really efficient, so we get our work done. That's what it is. Time.
0: <laughs> John mm. said that, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I think lightning would strike I, I was, me down. I was actually at 3
1: o'clock one morning this week doing some photo editing. Oh, I was just like, I can't. And then up at 5 a.m. again. Oof. I was
0: miserable. up until 2 o'clock every night this week playing Fallout and then up again at, yeah. uh, let's say, half nine. <laughs> Is he at Bing. the moment, Graham? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Not really. Uh, yeah. Winter and lockdown are um, joined together to make things a bit quiet for me, although I've got more work this week, so that's good. Um, and we, but we did pass this message on to Claire, and Claire said she's absolutely going to watch Crow. I haven't watched it yet. Have you watched it, John?
1: Uh, I believe so. I can't really remember it, which maybe says something about it. I don't know.
0: My main memory of the film, having not seen it, is listening to Andre from <laughs> Negative Positives talking about it and how the film moved him to tears, um, uh, but also getting the distinct impression that that is not a big move with Andre movies. <laughs> I get the impression that watching an advert for the toilet paper with the puppies in might move Andre to tears. So, um, But still... Uh, <laughs> As a film, very much about film. because I think that the subject is, or well, the, the story is based around uh, a guy reconnecting with his father as he's taking um, this last roll of Code Chrome to the last place in the UK, in the US that would still develop it US, before yeah. it was all. Um, so, um, yeah, we definitely, maybe maybe we need to have a, a um, podcast team film watch party. That's going to be a thing. No, that'd be fun. Well, I say fun. <laughs> i'm busy that night (laughs) you're washing your beard um all right do you want to take this next one from uh, aaron it's got a lot
1: of banana in it (laughs) and you're right (laughs) right so next email is aaron alfano yes um about the cheap shot challenge hello sunbeams great job on the cheap shots challenge video podcast i really enjoy the video format for the judging of the contest well done thank you very much congratulations to bob matter on his well deserved win bob's photo was brilliant and i and like certain other people who shall remain nameless concede the race and congratulate my opponent
0: he says that john Graham. i didn't like to mention this but we have actually had aaron <laughs> storming my house Wearing a <laughs> buffalo hat in this last week has been really weird. I assume you just you just let him in. Yeah, I just well. let him in. Come on in. Yeah, just like,
1: come on in. Yeah, <laughs> trash the place. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Graham, you were curious about how I meted my shots while well, my trusty cheap shots challenge. Pentax Spotmatic does have a meter the meter in mine does not work instead I held my hand under the piano light and used the pocket light meter app on my phone to take a reading off my palm. If memory serves it was F2 at a 60th. As always thanks for producing such a fun and enjoyable podcast. Look forward to the next one. Aaron. Thank you very much Aaron. Um, so they were the images of uh, the piano weren't they? Where yes. Where the Sheet music was was lit up, yeah. Um, and they had that kind of feel of you didn't know if there was a huge audience behind the piano, at, like on a stage or something, which were, was were fantastic. Mm. So, yeah, thank you very much for writing in, Aaron.
0: Yeah, good tip as well with the meeting because I remember reading years ago. Um, so when you're taking reflected light meeting readings, um, they will say, like, If you've got a grey card, that's fantastic, but if you haven't, for a, an average um, Caucasian. Or, you know, for an, uh, unless your skin is particularly dark, th- your hand tone is not far off 18% gray. I mean, obviously, this is going to vary depending on where you're from, but a- as an average work thing for a lot of people, so you can take a picture of your hand instead of a gray card, um, and that will get you kind of there, won't it?
1: or you can use banana skin, apparently.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that a real thing? <laughs>
1: If you hadn't guessed, tonight's episode is brought to you by bananas.
0: Yeah, oh, we <laughs> mentioned at the top we've been we're being sponsored by Big Banana this week.
1: Who <laughs> oh, doesn't love a good banana? um I'd, I'd never heard that before yeah but that's that's a great little tip isn't it
0: yeah it is in the absence because i think especially with something that is as light reflective and obviously as varied as a um piano keys um getting an even meter reading would be really difficult so um that's a really good tip and it just goes to show that i mean i use the light meter app on my phone regularly um when i'm being careful enough to meet things um usually i'll use it once and then go well that's good enough i know now for the rest of the evening and crack on um okay this next email is from billy sanford Uh, billy writes in to say hello sunbeams just a quick update and question based on my recent darkroom adventures editor's note here the use of the word quick may be erroneous first just a quick thank you for the kind words on the youtube episode as of this writing three days after the recording the postal service website here is still showing graham's packages available for pickup so i'm just glad to know everything arrived safely yes for those that uh, may not have heard um billy sent us I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to a bulging nut sack. By which I mean a sack with a picture of a peanut on full of um, prints and stickers and stuff.
1: Um, Sorry, what was that? A peanut, did you, did you just say? Yeah. Just checking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the Darkroom update <laughs> is that Graham's advice of stocking up on cheap paper is quite on point. During one of my experiments, I printed the same image 12 times in each with a different filter, just to get a sense of what they were each doing to the overall print. On a related note, I did several tests on smaller paper, 4x6 and 5x7, and it took me a while to determine what others would have probably known from the start. When making a smaller print, the head is closer to the baseboard, so one should feel free to close that aperture on the enlarging lens down to f16 or f22 to offer less light to the paper. Most examples for beginners, and even the instructions for my enlarger, walk through the process for 8x10, where the suggestion is f8 as the sweet spot for the lens. Make your test strip, develop for one minute, and then go from there. I did all of those things, but for smaller paper with the head lower, after one minute in the developer, the paper was nearly black. Even just turning the enlarger on and immediately off for the exposure, and regardless of using a filter or not. I thought it may have been the paper, but on one sample a corner of the paper wasn't exposed, and it came out of the developer white. Or maybe the chemicals, but when I did try an 8 by 10 it worked. I tried pulling a sheet out of the developer after about 35 seconds, which looked close to the correct exposure, but the paper itself wasn't quite fully baked, so you could see uneven marks due to the agitation. So, ultimately the answer seemed to be closing down the aperture on the smaller papers to achieve an accurate exposure with a full minute in the developer. Experience is an excellent teacher. My apologies for not recording the whole affair, as a Dark From Disasters episode for Sony 16 Presents might have been great fun. (laughs) I could do a 24 hour live stream of that. That update went on for longer than expected, but if you'll allow the related question, it is about a subject that comes up from time to time. What to do with prints, or more specifically, why you display the ones you do. Over the weekend, I went through my annual exercise of looking through old photo albums to find an appropriately embarrassing picture of my sister to post on Facebook for her birthday. Good work, Billy. And of course, found some of myself as well. But just the experience of going through those old photos reminded me, particularly as I am getting into printing, why we print. It used to be the only option, and many people observe that they never go onto the computer to look back over their old digital shots the way we go through, go through old albums. Even if you do review old photos on the computer, tablet or phone, it just doesn’t quite provide the same experience as holding a tangible print. I suppose for prints that are more artistic than those of specific personal memories there are albums, archival sleeves and boxes, portfolios and other ways of storing prints you've made. And then presumably a select few make their way onto frames that go onto shelves or hang on the wall. But of course most of us have a finite amount of shelf and wall space. I did frame the first successful 8x10 I printed just for sentimental reasons. But my question for the group today is what prints, whether by yourself or others, do you choose to r- surround yourself with in a way that doesn't require you to dig it out of a book or a computer? It is there for you always to absorb. Do you tend to surround yourself with prints that inspire you in some way? That have some sort of sentimental value or monetary value? Or that invoke a particular emotional reaction? Or complement the decor of the space? Or where you just appreciate the technical skill behind the image. Is it one of these reasons or all of them? Or for some other reason? I guess the core of the question is what criteria you use to determine what sort of prints you put on display in your space. Well, the days are getting a bit shorter and it is starting to turn a bit chilly, so I suppose I need to go burn through another box of papers. Thank you as always for indulging my rambling missive from Billy. And it's always lovely to get your missives, Billy, rambling or not. Now, this is actually incredibly timely, despite the fact it sat in the inbox for quite some time, because I have been doing both of the things that Billy has discussed, uh, both burning through paper and looking at pictures uh, today. I've been sorting through stuff. And in fact, <laughs> uh, we discussing this you and i uh, on chat a few days ago and i was doing some printing and as you said john you know, you're you literally burning money as you're doing printing <laughs> um so what's your take on that first thing john about this the need to just just go through it and not be stingy with your paper essentially i suppose
1: yeah i think when you're first starting out you've just got to take the hit um i like say so and we were talking about paper size the other day as well, mm. weren't we? How five by seven is actually quite a tricky paper size to print to, or it can be if, if you're experimenting with dodging and burning. Um, so, in some regards, I think you're better off just getting yourself a pack of eight by ten cheap paper and just acknowledging that that money's gone, and you're not. You might get a couple of prints out of it when you're first starting, mm. but it's a it's an experience. You know, like, it's it's easy to spend 50 quid on something else. Like, people spend 50 quid down the pub, don't they, <laughs> of an evening. Well, they used so to like the just, tr- <laughs> just treat it as that. Just treat it as, like, okay, it's a lot of money, and it feels like when you're wasting it, you're not getting anywhere. But it's not. You're learning as you're doing it. Yeah. And I think because there's a cost implication to it, a bit like shooting film, you learn a lot quicker because you're very aware that it is costing you money per image. Yeah. Um, so like, I think that's actually quite a benefit of, of the expense of it. Yeah. It's still cheaper than, like, print it. If you were to print out on, like, um, an inkjet printer, if you actually work out how much they cost per print, I, I think it's cheaper to do a darkroom print.
0: I guess so. I suppose the thing is with an inkjet print is though you're printing it once, as opposed to printing it eight times. So I don't know whether or however yeah, many potentially, times
1: potentially but if if you're trying to get a great print out of an inkjet printer, if you're not very experienced at it, it can take quite a while to get a good print.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's certainly true. Um but I think you're you're absolutely right, and it is it the comparison with shooting film is exactly right. You you've you've bought the stuff use it because 50 sheets of um paper is actually quite a lot I, do you i mean i so far have only shot um shot printed on ilford paper um mm-hmm. they're they're multi-grade and uh i've just I've just started delving into actually i'm not gonna say i've started delving into their art range i bought some of their art range and made one really half fast <laughs> print on it <laughs> saying i'm delving into it is definitely overselling that but um have you experimented with any other cheaper papers
1: um no i've I've got some FOMA paper but that's that was fiber paper as well so i, th- I don't remember it being a lot cheaper to be honest um i yeah. can't remember how much it was so yeah i've only ever used ilford resin coated i don't i'd have to look up see what else is available it's it's one of those things and it's like you kind of when you start using something you kind of get stuck with it and my intention this year is to try different papers um but I think that that's a good thing as well. Like when you're starting out, you don't want to be flitting around over lots of different things. You want consistency and just changing one variable at a time. I think. Yeah. Um, just touching on on Billy's first point, actually, about um, he was overexposing all his images and his development time, and like reducing the development time to try and get the exposure right. Like I would always aim to be getting um developing to completion. So yes. always do yeah. that time. when it comes to printing paper um, so when you're thinking about changing your variables in that process yeah changing the exposure time and the aperture are your two options yeah yeah you don't want to like change paper as well halfway through that just to try something else out it's like just change one thing at a time
0: yeah because you without going to extremes you you can't really overdevelop paper can you i mean I'm, well i'm sure you can overdevelop paper that's a nonsense statement but what i'm saying is that <laughs> unlike with film um you i i read in the book uh, i've been thinking they said you know i he's a guy I said i generally give most of my papers 2 minutes and mm-hmm. I was like, okay so i'm i know that the book time for um, multi grade deluxe. Uh, no, multi four. I was using because I'm just getting through the last of the box, and that is less than that. But like, well, I'm going to give it till two minutes just to make sure that it's fully gone because the temperature is. Whilst I got it at the right temperature to start with, the moment it hits the tray, it's losing heat. Um, so okay, mm-hmm. i to give it two minutes. That way, I know it's done, and I'm not worried about it overdeveloping. I don't know how long I would need to leave it in there before that starts to become a problem. I don't know whether you've ever mucked around with that, John
1: i so i've got the nova slot processors and so you clip the paper um to a little clip and then that hangs in the developer and i have actually dropped paper off that before and it's dropped to the bottom of the tray and by the time i'd got that out again which must have been 10 15 minutes it had gone completely black so it will overdevelop, yeah at some point um i don't know exactly when that happens but I like from the tests I've done where I've kind of accidentally left it in a bit longer because I was doing something else after the Mm -hmm. timer went anywhere between like it depends on the strength of your developer Mm -hmm. but anywhere between like one and a half to two and a half three minutes the difference is minute and you're probably not going to notice it
0: yeah it's it's not like film developing is it Um, no but yeah you need to and and I think it's also like investing in the paper to burn them out. I mean, I just had a quick look. It's thirty-eight pounds for fifty sheets of eight x ten multigrade. Even going for the new multigrade RC Deluxe on, on Amazon. I'm just looking at quickly here. Um, that's not bad. You know, you can have a lot of fun. Fifty sheets is a lot. Um, even if yeah. you're burning through ten sheets for each print, which is you probably won't. But because the more that you do, as you go through, you'll Burn through le- fewer and fewer sheets each time because, and I'm finding this because you'll start to build in a, more of an idea in your head of how the image is going to respond to the choices that you make. And um, I think the best way to learn this, if you can, is go and do a course with someone like John or Rachel or whoever's nearby you so you can do this in a hands on way and see it happening because learning from a book and learning from online stuff it just doesn't it for me at any rate i can watch it but it's not quite there but in the absence of being able to go and do that with somebody kind of going through it yourself and just seeing how that relationship works um there's not really any uh there's not really any good alternative to either doing it yourself or watching somebody else doing it and learning from that so um yeah
1: i I agree it's like people don't learn in different ways don't they i'm that's how i learn things is by doing them and making mistakes yeah and just iterating through and but i do think that with a visual medium it is a great way to learn because you discover how the process operates while you're doing that while you're making those mistakes so in future if like that Billy's just had suddenly it's like suddenly if the first print that you do comes out completely overexposed you immediately know what the answer is because you've made that mistake before mm. or like you've worked out why it's happening um so i think that's a great way to learn
0: yeah and also when you're when you're doing all of these exposures it's not just the paper that's being used it's you're, you're going through the process every time uh, so you get into more of a flow you get into better mm-hmm. habits uh, and and like uh, I've got better habits now um, than I had when I was doing printing a few years ago. Um, I mean, I've done more printing in the last week than I've done in ages. But um, but the, my workflow and my habit is much better. It's much more organised, and so because of that, I'm making fewer pointless mistakes. I'm making fewer mistakes of oh, I forgot to close down the aperture. It happens sometimes. when you open it right up to check focus. Um, Mm-hmm. And then I'll just, I'll, you forget to, to close it down again and you'll see instantly because as you said, the paper goes black. But um, it's all, all practice is good practice. And that's why at the moment, that's what I'm doing. I'm just picking fairly random negatives. I think, well, I'm going to give that one a go. Frequently, they're terrible negatives because my negatives are frequently of terrible quantity quality. <laughs> um, I dream when I get better at this photography lock, it's going to be an absolute walk in the park developing good negatives. Um, but the ultimate point, of course, is to make nice pictures that you're happy with which brings on to billy's second point um especially for somebody in billy's position and in my position who's going through the uh practice stage of wanting to make quite a lot of stuff to get better what do you do with all of these prints that you're making uh john you make a lot of prints you went through your 21 not whatever many days of taking prints you made before christmas i'm not gonna get 25 days of christmas 25 days of christmas during which you made how many prints (laughs) 10 <laughs> 10 yeah exactly no <laughs> so um oh, but. <laughs> so what do you do with prints that are not for a specific work purpose what do you do with your prints what makes it onto your walls and why why um
1: why, why? at the moment most things that make it onto our wall are in stacks photos mm-hmm. because they're quick and easy um any prints that I do I did a load for family this year that went out as like kind of Christmas cards, family and friends. Um and we've got one of those up on our wall. Some of I've got a print. So in my dark room, all the prints I've got up here are kind of like my test prints as I'm going along, just as a reminder to myself what I'm working on. And then I've also got an area of other people's work, whether they're prints that I bought or people that are sent through. I stick them all up as just a big area of inspiration, which I love. Um and that doesn't really work in the house. Like I don't think my partner would really like such a kind of I like having it just messy, all stuck to the wall, you know, it's just a mosaic of stuff almost. Whereas my partner, she likes things very neat and tidy. So we're very selective over what we put over the on the walls in the house. Um I have got quite a few of my prints up. Um most of them are from things that we've done together as opposed to like, it's my personal work. Um so like when we've been traveling or, or whatever like that. So that, that's generally what the decision is. It's like, it's a memory thing for mm-hmm. us. Um But I'm like, then I get, to, I get to choose because I'm making the prints. ultimately. <laughs> <so>.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, the answer is fairly simple and straightforward. The prints that make it onto the walls in uh, my house, our house are the ones that Sinead says can go on the walls. <laughs> uh, um, fairly rarely prints that I've made. Um, but no, th- there are a few pictures that I've made on the walls. Few um, Of them about on the walls. Not terribly many but then I haven't made a great number of prints um as I said earlier I was today having a bit of a sort out trying to have a sort of clear down make myself some room in all areas that I occupy because everything's just jammed up and so I was collecting together all of the prints I've got going through um my darkroom prints and kind of turfing out any that were just not good because what i generally do is i'll have a few that are nearly there and then you get the right one and i'll just kind of chuck all the nearly theirs in as well so i haven't even got a use for the one that's decent why am i keeping the not decent one so I've binned all mm-hmm. of those um and yeah they're just living in a box for the most part they're just going into a box with no real life in front of them um what i would like to do is the thing that billy mentioned which is to get more of them into um, albums or portfolio folders or something a lot of them are quite large so albums doesn't make sense Um, but yeah get more of them into stuff like that so I can enjoy seeing them but no sadly most of mine just their life is spent in a box and every now and again I'll get a print I I did a print this week which I was like I quite like that I quite like how that's turned out and I'll show it to Sinead's like oh yeah (laughs) okay I'll put it in the box then shall I (laughs) (laughs) although ironically um we got uh, some postcards made up for Christmas, and two of those have made it onto the wall. Maybe it's a size thing. Maybe Sinead looks at my eight by ten and goes, "You do not deserve that much wall space." But a little six by four, yes, that can go up. So, um, are, they,
1: are they your photos that have gone up?
0: Uh, uh, two of them were, and uh, one of a cyanotype, cyanotype that Rach made. So they were the nice. they were made. It, so, um, so yeah, that's kind of and I, I, I could not speak for what. Um, i think the photos on in frames on our surfaces on our cupboards and our shelves and stuff like that those kinds of pictures are all family they're all that that's what pictures live there um you know they're all and and actually there are more of my pictures there because i'm the one that takes all the pictures of family um so of our you know us and our children actually there's any pictures of me That like I don't think there's any pictures of me sinead has got this um and it's an idea I stole from Rachel We've talked about before, but in our kitchen our kitchen I keep forgetting it's ours, and we've got this big picture frame we wire strung across it that we hang instax pictures on with little clips It's a great way of displaying mm-hmm. a lot of instax pictures and Sinead tends to go through every year and take off the old ones and refresh it with new ones as more being made and um there's a lot of pictures on that, and I think there's one one with me in it on there. And I think that might be the only photo of me in the entire house. Um, which, again, might be why I forget. It's my house, too. Um, but, yes, that's by the by. So, yeah, it's hard to find things to do with your friends, right? <laughs> oh, Maybe it's
1: because okay. you're always there. There are, there are no need for any photos. There's
0: a lot of pictures of Sinead and her son there. Um, they're also always there. <laughs> I think it's just a personal mm. thing with me. I just there's a lot more <laughs> pictures of the cats than there are of me. Uh... Like you, you need to start
1: printing some more photos of yourself and just like I don't know getting some really strong glue and just slapping them everywhere
0: (laughs) i want to share actually an idea that you gave me um this one is probably more useful for people who have a space like the dark room or actually in my little um podcast recording area as well i'm going to do this but of getting a thin sheet of metal fixed up onto the wall and then using magnets to put pictures up with i think that's a great idea that i'm absolutely going to do because if you're not going to go to the trouble uh, and more importantly expense of mounting things and doing stuff with them to properly put them up, but you want to have them up so you can see them, there aren't any really good choices because everything ruins them. I was, as part of my clear down today, I was also, we got sent lots of nice pictures and stuff like that over the year. And I, okay, time to kind of store down all the stuff from the last 12 plus months, Archive it by which I mean put it in a box and put it away so that when well, I catch up with you guys, I can bring it up and share. we can all look at this stuff together, but I need to make room for hopefully more stuff coming in this year. um so I want to get a metal sheet in my dark shed and possibly in my room here as well on that back wall there. that's kind of begging for a sheet to go on there and then use magnets to pin up pictures that will display them without spoiling them. I think that was a great idea, John. Thanks you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take the next email from Ian Turpin?
1: Oh, will do. Actually, that leads on <clears throat> quite nicely talking about the postcards. Um, Ian says, hi, folks. I just wanted to say thank you for the postcards and stickers. One has gone on my film fridge, and one is waiting for my super high resolution 35mm and 120 that does 16 by 17 all singing and dancing scanner. Does that make sense? Did I read <laughs> Six that 6x17 all singing, <laughs> yeah. When one exists. Yeah. Sadly, it missed the post to Kentucky. And uh, is that a word? So I'm keeping it. All Mike got was a crappy Z.
0: <laughs> that was my fault. I was uh, did not get these things sent up terribly quickly. What a surprise. Um, and yes, I'm afraid Mr. Gutterman, was, I didn't get the stickers to Mike in time. I'll send you some at some point, Mike. I will try and remember to do that. Listen, I will. Oh, yeah. you, you know I'm good yeah. for it in a very long time scale. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, He goes on to say, I've missed backing paper this year. Maybe that's because I literally missed it because I'm stupid or because there haven't been that many. Either way, I missed it. The postcards were really great for very different photographers, and yet they were equally cool. How unlikely is that? My favorite was, pause for dramatic effect, definitely the best one. (laughs) Oh, you know you know, he was going to say mine there. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> just probably. didn't want to offend anybody. I hope you all have a great Christmas and New Year and get to spend even more time locked down with your loved ones. You lucky, lucky people. <laughs> have a cool Yule, Ian. Thank you very much, Ian. I'm glad you <laughs> like the postcards, particularly mine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, and we, I, I've missed backing paper this year. It was one of those things that we did backing paper every week. And I know when we got to August, it was like, okay, we're going to cut it down. We're going to do it every other week. But... Because of the world situation and because of everyone's changing situation, we just stopped getting very many emails come through. Um, and so it just didn't make sense to keep doing them, even at the half regularity that we had planned. But if we get more emails come through, we'll do more backing papers. It's that simple. If we have the material to justify them, uh, we love doing them. Uh, they're great fun. I, I love c- communicating with you guys like this. And I think you do too. And I know um, Rachel would really hope to be with us this evening. She loves it uh, as well as does Claire. So, um, you're know, sending your emails, and then we'll do these. Uh, The next one, oh God, it feels like only last month since it was the last one, because it was, but uh, heads up everybody, as the days get longer, we get more light, and you're all looking for something to do, the January 127 film day is nearly upon us. Uh, This is from the lovely J.M. Golding writing to remind us that the next 127 day is only a month away, it's not only a month away, it's only a few weeks away, of course, on Wednesday, January the 27th, 2021. The 127 Film Photography website will feature 127 format photographs made on January the 27th, 2021 in a special online exhibition. You and your listeners are invited to participate. No fees, no competition, just a friendly virtual community joining together to make 127 format photos on January the 27th. The deadline for the submission is February the 27th, 2021 and all of the details can be found at 127film.blogspot.com As always, thanks for all you do for our worldwide film photography community and wishing each of you a much better 2021 from J.M. Golding. All I can say to that is you didn't wish hard enough, (laughs) (laughs) J.M. Wish with more vigor. I also, J.M. hasn't mentioned it in here but I know that certainly in the past The key thing is to be shooting with 127 format cameras. Uh, If you are using other films, so say for example you are shooting 35mm film that you have jammed into a 127 format camera, I mean why would anybody do that, but let's just say I know somebody who has, um, then those are also more than welcome to be submitted. It's more about the cameras because uh, the film is available, there is 127 film out there to buy, there's new stuff out there to buy, but it's not always widely available and easy to get hold of, the most important important thing is shooting those old cameras. Um, I know I've asked you this before, John, I'm sure I have. Do you even own a 127 format camera?
1: No. Oh, would no. you like one? Who makes 127 film?
0: Um, Raripan, uh is the one that springs immediately to mind. But I think um, Analog right. Wonderland, I've got a couple of um, things on of 127. They might all be from the same people. But yeah, you can, you can get some. It was the January... 127 day I guess two years ago um, where I actually managed to get some (laughs) photos on the day uh, because I was up in Liverpool with Rachel and Sinead and we went for a walk around Liverpool and took some pictures and it was great fun and I had a lot of fun because the cameras tend to be for the most part very basic apart from oh hang on a second um, I'm going to have to go back to the uh, cameras to make sure I'm showing this now you have to imagine what this looked like when it had a lens look (laughs) four faceless. wow so what i'm showing john at the moment is um a yashica 44 lm minus its lens because i i somebody gave me these cameras and said, oh are these any good are these worth anything can you and they were a real bag of knackered nails um and so i ended up taking the lenses off that and Unceremoniously, kind of sellotaping them onto the front of a cardboard box to take pictures with, which I did actually do last, <laughs> yeah, last year, and did take some pictures with it. And I need—I picked that camera, and John can see the inverted brackets around there. I um, uh, have another go with it because it was kind of semi-successful, so I need to return to that. Um, but getting back to the point, yeah, most one-two-seven cameras are pretty basic. So, and Kodak made a lot of them. So, um,
1: so is—is is that why? There's still film available just because there were such a huge number of cameras that are still circulating.
0: Yeah, UK. I think so. I mean, I think it's one of these things. That, uh, it, practically, there's no reason for 127 film to exist. I mean, with no disrespect to the cameras. But again, apart from a couple of exceptions like the Yashica 44 and the Roly Baby camera, um, there were not they were all of kind of holger level functionality um but there are a lot of them out there and yeah fortunately there are these couple of small boutique places or at least this one boutique place that's still cutting down film to be used in it um so yeah there's just enough i think they were making the film like i think Kodak was making the film until the 90s so it lasted a long time after the cameras had stopped being produced but yeah they're fun are and you... it's
1: it's big it's larger than 35 mil but smaller than 120
0: is that right yes mm-hmm. i'm not going to try and guess them i think it's four x four i th- i mean okay. it's a yashica 44 let's assume by right. the power of deductive yeah, reasoning that. that it's four x four yeah. um but yeah you can pick up i mean the, the great thing is that in an age where a lot of cameras are getting more and more expensive 127 cameras are dirt cheap. You can pick up a 127 camera for under a tenner any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, if you go on eBay or pop into a charity shop or something and you're lucky enough to find one. Okay. Do you want to take this next one from Richard?
1: Yes. Oh, it'd be a pleasure because this, by the looks of it, is about Carnival of Souls. Carnival of Souls, yes. Which, given the, the film has created so much discussion behind the scenes here... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, it's a shame that Claire
0: <laughs> is not here this evening, but um, we'll we'll get through. And I have got Claire's feedback from the um, from the uh, email. Uh,
1: so. Right. So Richard says, "Dear Sunbeams, just wanted to say how much I enjoyed Carnival of Souls episode. It's a film I hadn't seen in a good while, and I'm not any sort of expert on cinema, but instinctively I felt that Graham was being more than a bit unfair in his remarks about it." I've re-watched it since I listened to the podcast and want to thank you for bringing this classic back to my attention because I'm sure that's what it is. It's very much of its time and has to be watched on its own terms. You can't judge a film for not having the benefit of another 60 years of development in filmmaking. I'd like to commend, a, me, recommend a book by a friend of mine which includes a short essay on Carnival of Souls, We Don't Get Back, A Watcher's Guide to Folk Horror by howard david ingham i'm sure claire would enjoy the whole book and if she will allow i'd like to send her a copy i just need to know where to post it while i'm thinking about it i suggest that howard would make a great guest for on film sometime maybe paired up with simone smith who is himself an analog photographer howard is at how how the wood moves on twitter and simeon is what did i say before me. <laughs> yeah, underscore Simeon smith thanks again for all you're doing with the podcast richard hall thank you very much richard you're wrong <laughs>
0: no yes yeah, so, so i mean first off i said i did claire has seen the email and did say that um she would absolutely check these things out and while well, she didn't specifically respond but i can tell you that based on my research claire does love carnival of the souls um <laughs> uh unquestioningly um now yes it's a shame she's not here but at least we have got an independent person because richard says that i was a little unfair so let's pass it over to our independent witness here john you have watched carnival of the souls through to the end um what was your take on it Mm -hmm.
1: um well it took me about six attempts to get all the way to the end I kept on stopping about... Well, I got halfway through, and then I just couldn't get started with it again just because of time or whatever. But also, I guess I wasn't that motivated to watch the rest of it. Excuse me. Um, I I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't watch it again um, without uh, probably they're being with a group of people, and you're watching it kind of mock it rather than enjoy <laughs> and it it drinking,
0: okay. yeah, I mean, to be fair to Richard. He does say right up top, I'm not any sort of expert on cinema. No, Richard, that's right, you're not, whereas I clearly am. And John is too, because I just <laughs> named him one. Um, and the the sentence, and this is the thing that kind of gets to me about it. Uh, the sentence, you can't judge a film for not having the benefit of another 60 years of development in filmmaking. Richard, I have seen films older than and of the same age as this film. And guess what? They knew how to edit audio, and cut film <laughs> in 1962. This was not technical developments that hadn't happened yet. They were just badly done. Um, you can argue the toss on the uh, elements of things like the acting and stuff like that. You know, your mileage may vary on that. But the bits of it that were just badly done were just badly done. and <laughs> They were being done perfectly well by others. So, look, let's not make excuses. You can love the film. It is all good. I'm more than happy with everyone to love the film on its own terms. That is fine. But just don't tell me that it's because it's old that it's okay to be crap. Oh, it's, um, it's an outrage, isn't it, John? It's, a,
1: it's, it's okay. It's, it's fine. Okay. Just let it go.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, thank you. And nonetheless, Richard, it's lovely to hear from you. Ah, uh, is this... It's not quite the last one, is it? No, second from last one. Um, is from Tim S, who writes in, to say, Hello, beautiful sunnies. He did not know he was getting us this evening, did he, John? Um, no, how wrong is <laughs> he? Yeah. 2020 was a shit year, but I wanted to start 2021 off right. That sort of. It seemed like too tall in order after 2020 to say, I'm going to get in shape or I'm going to drink less coffee. Nope. But one thing I had thought about, I've never done a photo challenge. I had hoped during lockdown earlier this year, while I was also jobless, that I might try and document the daily life of lockdown on 4x5. But it turned out daily life of lockdown was pretty mundane. I wasn't particularly creative and it was hard to capture the monotony of uncreativity. This time around, I wanted to change it up, but not really add much pressure. I just wanted to have fun and perhaps learn a thing or two. In my case, I want to practice framing using my 150 mm lens. I tend to reach for my 90 mm often. Learn a little more about Fomapan 200 and also try to become more efficient with camera movements. So here's what I came up with. One, only one shot per week, one exposure. Two, one camera for me. My Chamonix 45 f2. 3. One lens, for me, the Fujinon 150mm. 4. One film, FOMOPAN 200 for him. 5. No cropping. 6. Not part of any other series. And 7. Don't overthink it. Photos could be of anything, so, so far for week 1. Oh, sorry, for week zero, I chose a composition of my Christmas tree train set. Oh, bless. That sounds idyllic. He has a Christmas tree train set. Week one this week, I chose our collection of masks hanging on the wall next to some booze, because although 2020 is over, the pandemic is not. I also wrote a rather huge list of compositions. And oddly, I found myself surprisingly creative when I basically said to hell with it. Point your camera at anything and just enjoy shooting. This project could turn into nothing or something. I plan on making contact sheets of these so I end up with roughly 13 or so pages showing hopefully a changing 2021 and brighter times ahead. Or not. Maybe they'll end up being shots of my dirty laundry or the inside of a toilet tank. It doesn't matter. It's about the journey. Or whatever. Anyway, it's probably too late to participate in earnest, but just in case, I decided to use hashtag 52filmphotos2021 on Instagram. The project is for me, but I'll be sharing out my photos, or folks can follow me directly via at bitbybitphoto. Even the mundane and even the ones that, gasp, might not turn out. Surely with only one sheet per week, the odds of missing a shot aren't exactly low. Of course if folks want to come up with their own rules why the hell not? I think it'll be good practice. Kinda curious if any of my digital shooter friends might try this. Can you imagine only being able to click the shutter only once for a composition on digital? It'd be good practice for pre-visualizing. I find that easy on large format. It's built for that. Bomb digital? Oof, that's a hard thing to do. Anyways, I am rambling, so I'll stop. Happy New Year! Here's to a 2021 that hopefully doesn't suck as much as 2020. The bar is set pretty damn low, so let's get after it. Again, these emails have been in for more than a day, so. Wishing you <laughs> love, kindness, and positivity from Tim S. Thank you very much, Tim. I think that's a great idea um, for a camera challenge, setting the bar appropriately. You ever done a a photo challenge at all, John? Um,
1: I must have at various points. Like when, when you're feeling a bit, like you say, a bit stuck creatively, it's a nice thing to kind of get yourself going again. Mm. Um, like the the long term ones throughout the year, I just I know I'd never stick to it for the entire duration, or you know, it's 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 too easy to drift away from it. Um. So I, I kind of, like, I like short-term ones, like the one hour challenges I really enjoy because mm. you can come up with an idea, have a, a bit of planning about it, and then it's just, it's over and done with very quickly and you achieve something in that time. Um I like, like long-term, like lockdown long-term projects in your own space. Like Tim talks about um, the mundane and it wasn't, it's not very inspiring. My advice for that is start looking at mundane photos because it's very easy to be distracted by like all singing, all dancing modern day photography and think that your household photos in comparison are very mundane. But actually, they can be incredibly beautiful. So if you if you surround yourself with mundane photos, you'll then start to feed into that and want to create images like that yourself as well, which. Like in the current scenario, if you are at home a lot, then that's what you need to do because you've just got to, you've still got to be making images. So keep your camera handy, keep everything set up and ready to go, and just keep taking photos, Mm. no matter how mundane the subject is.
0: It is hard though. I don't think there's any way around it. I, I think there's not many people who didn't find the events of the last 12 months to be creativity sapping whether it's because you're being taken away from the things which normally inspire you in terms of locations or access to people or whatever it might be whether it's because the everything that's going on is just occupying too much brain space to allow you room to mentally feel creative um, whatever it might be I think it's it's been a hard year i am hugely impressed and i know that there are people out there who have managed to be creative and do cool stuff and like bring something out of the year. um but don't feel bad if you didn't cuz i i barely shot oh, yeah, anything definitely. last year um yeah
1: the most important thing is is take the pressure off isn't it cuz as soon yeah. as you start saying to yourself that oh you've got to do something well personally like that makes me want to do it less but as soon as i like take that pressure away i actually find myself doing it more um so yeah it's like it's incredibly hard and but there's, there's no pressure to do anything unless obviously you're getting paid for it and you've got a deadline to meet
0: yeah i think that if you wanted to do something like this the approach that tim's taken makes a lot of sense and that he one has set himself some rules some guidelines but two there is a purpose behind it in terms of practice he's looking to achieve certain goals with it or practice certain things with it and that means that because you're thinking about the elements you're trying to practice that it will force the creativity for you so you're like okay I i, yeah, I want to focus on using this one lens this one film and not cropping it so you're going to be just thinking about those things and not thinking oh this needs to be a sublime work of art just I need to do these things well competently and what you actually find is that you make better images from that than if you're just out there trying to think of incredible creative ideas with a blank sheet um, at least that's my personal experience with that so um I think it's a great idea anyway and uh yeah you know let's let's at least try and get 2021 off on a good note January is a good time to be thinking about creative stuff I think I'm feeling much more positively creative at the moment like I said I've been in the dark room I've shot quite a lot of film and um but I think you just have to push at it at the moment I think you have to push at it and get out there take a camera out go no I'm gonna go and take pictures even if I don't like them I'm going to shoot this roll of film um and just do it so do you want to take this last one, which is another one from oh, the wonderful Billy Sanford and another one about On Film? Oh, they really love On Film. It, it, hopefully people have checked out now. <laughs> Go and check out On Film. There's a reason people are writing in about it. It's because it's a great show. Claire's doing a fabulous show over on the Sunday 16 presents for you. It is
1: awesome. And actually, kind of on that point, I would never have watched Carnival of Souls without Claire and On Film. So and is this No matter what my opinion on the film is, it's fantastic to actually... See a film like that. So there we go. Go check it out, everybody. Really. Uh, right, Billy. Hi, Sunbeams. I just wanted to say I really enjoyed Claire and Ben's discussion on Walter Mitty. From a photographic perspective, the observations about Sean Penn's character at the end versus, for example, how some people experience live events through their phones today felt especially poignant. The film, at least some of the fantasy elements, reminded me of another movie that is not as directly related to photography Tim Burton's Big Fish. As it applies to photography, it has certainly made me consider how we approach things that might seem rather dull on the surface in order to make them more interesting. Maybe distorting an image some way, shooting it from an unusual perspective. I'm not usually very successful at making the most interesting images out of ordinary subjects, but it is an aspiration. On a similar note, how important that aspiration is compared to what one might consider the reality of the moment. There are all sorts of debates in the community about what counts as real or authentic. Film, digital, instant, Photoshop, alternative processes. These debates always seem to want to say something about the skill of the artist or imply that there is a superior approach to storytelling via some particular approach. But in the end, how much does any of that really matter to compare to whether the story engaged you somehow and evoked something from you? I've really enjoyed all of the new variety of discussions with the Sunny 16 Presents feed. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Billy.
0: That's right. Have you seen Big Fish?
1: Uh, I think I have. It's quite an old film, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, I, again,
0: I've seen it once many years ago, but if my memory serves me correctly, the film kind of explores uh, some this guy kind of... F- Following or finding out about his father, and his father was kind of a larger than life character and described his life in these incredible ways. And it was, yeah, this kind of fantasy meets reality of this father's life and what his father's life was really like, and what he would tell people his life was like. Um, so yeah, I can certainly see that. I need to revisit that. There you go, need something to watch again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting thing, and it, it is that as Billy was saying, this idea of trying to make the mundane. Interesting, I guess that's what we're a lot of us trying to do, especially at the moment. As you were just saying, <laughs>
1: that's just life in general, isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it is. It is, um, but good stuff. Whilst we're on the subject of the Sunny 16 Presents feed, I want to make an important announcement here. It's not that important, announcement it's a if you have been enjoying the last two episodes of I Dream of Cameras, Jeff and Gabe's show, which we shared out on a feed over the um, Christmas break and back at the end of November. Um, the third show in that series will be out on the Sunny 16 Presents feed this week so if you have been enjoying them then please do seek them out like I said they will be out I don't know what day let's say probably by Wednesday that show will be out because I've got it and it's ready to go so episode three of that will be out and in a couple of weeks time from then will be episode four because they are like a machine like a like a Hollywood producers who've got uh, nothing to produce at the moment machine I think they're having a lot of fun doing it I'm really enjoying listening to them doing it so um yes please make sure you go and check out sunny 16 presents for those shows when they come out because uh, they'll be great um okay i think that's it for emails isn't it john woo woo we made it there wasn't too many but this is the thing like i said that's two and a half months worth of emails this is why we've not been doing backing paper all that often but nonetheless it's really nice to catch up with stuff um want to say a huge thank you to all of our coffee supporters. Um, as always, we really appreciate the fact that you keep us going. Uh, for all of our regular donors, hopefully, those of us that got in touch and let us know their um, uh, addresses, um, you've got the postcards we sent out to you. Uh, I know they've, they've appeared, we've seen evidence they've appeared in certainly various places around the world, but I also know that the Postal Service is something of a nightmare at the moment. So um, if you did give us our, your address, hopefully they'll be with you soon um, and this is just a very small way of us saying thank you thank you for all our support also wanted to say a big thank you uh, and um, apologies for this taking so long to say this thank you but um, to a new donor, to Nick Smith uh, and Nick actually wrote a, th- a nice little message with it so this is good uh, Nick said hi from Abu Dhabi uh, there you go, we've got somebody in Abu Dhabi listening, not very many people, might just be you Nick but still, <laughs> that's a pin on the flag for us I'm enjoying the new podcast for podcat, the new format podcast. (laughs) I'm very jealous of John and his dark shed as well. You should be. I have my dust enlarger boxed in the UK and it's feeling unloved. I need to dust it off on my return in December for a Christmas break. Keep up the good work and stay safe. Thank you very much, Nick. Um, Well, I hope wherever you are, you obviously, well, I hope you got back to the UK for Christmas and I hope you've, Got back to where you need to be, following Christmas, because these things are never certain. If you have ended up stuck in the UK, I hope at least you're stuck with your Durstin larger. That would be something of a win, right?
1: Yeah,
0: giving it some love. Yeah, exactly. These things need to be loved. I'm um, John, and I were discussing amongst all the darkroom stuff we've been discussing, as we do during the week. As I basically just bother John, going, John, what should I do with this? John, <laughs> this doesn't look right. John, should I have done that? No, you shouldn't have. Well, I've done it anyway, John. No. So So what should I do now? <laughs> um
1: anything i just i'd send a message to graham now my phone just auto corrects to no no I yeah i like got some ai bills into it
0: my phone autocorrects to i've done it anyway <laughs> 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 it's great it's um so um and we were talking about anyway uh the fact you've got this lovely big 4x5 enlarger which I'm very jealous of um, because I don't have a 4x5 enlarger mine goes up to 6x6 six six, and that's as big as it gets and we were discussing options for that and I was looking at um, the Intrepid enlarger as maybe being an option but you saying well you need to get a copy stand and it's still, because my shed is a shed and it's not a big fancy shed like John's, it's a shed shed and it has quite, It's well it must be in the centre where we stand in the middle, it must be about six foot four because it's just taller than me, so you know, there's about a couple of inches, maybe a couple of inches clearance, may not even be six foot four in the center. It's a sloped roof, um, so yeah, headspace is a problem. Because how how tall does your um, enlarged stand on its table?
1: Um, oof. Oh, so, yeah so it's like six and a half foot easy yeah. but i could have a lower table
0: you yeah can, you could well, move have a lower thing, table, i've, been, I've been looking there's an larger on eBay. it's massive <laughs> <laughs> it's heavy. But... what is it uh oh hang on a second Shh, don't, yeah. tell <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anyone <laughs> while, while you
1: find out what it is i'm just going to fill in um, and i hope billy doesn't mind me saying this but i saw a photo of billy's uh cream setup that he's put together recently which is actually under the stairs so like it's, there's hardly any room there, but it's enough to have like one bench with the enlarger and the trays next to it on another table. And then I, I think he's he's washing them elsewhere in the house. But you don't need a huge amount of space. Um, obviously, if you're going for a four by five enlarger, then you'd probably need a bit more. A bit yeah, more room. I'm looking but... at this
0: now. Actually, it does look ginormous. The thing looks absolutely huge. Um, a prefect, ask for it by name. You <laughs> know the prefect? <laughs> Nope. Nope. Oh, well. I mean, I, I very much doubt I'll get it because it almost certainly get too expensive. It is it is certainly far too big. Um, but if it doesn't get too expensive, <laughs> I might put a bid on it anyway and then deal with the consequences <laughs> later. I'll put a skylight in. My, I could put like a, a chimney thing, couldn't I? Just like cut the top of the shed out and build an extension up for it to come into <laughs> and make it look like a chimney. That would work, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't. That would look great. It would look. <laughs> distinct, um, and the shed would then fall apart. Uh, I guess I'll just stick to contact prints on my 4x5s for now. Never mind. I need to practice that because I'm not very good at it. Um, but anyway, getting back to where we're, thank you so much, Nick, for your uh, donation. Really appreciated. And uh, I hope you were able to get a, pod- a um, darkroom set up in Abu Dhabi. Um, that would be a good thing to do. Maybe this is where things like the Intrepid enlarger in are really handy because they're much easier to transport than the Durst is over there. So... Maybe look into something like that. That'd be all right. What's the most, um, like, budget-ass way you can make prints, John? I mean, I suppose it would have to be without enlarging. Is it just, you it's just contact do, print, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like literally just light on, light off. You could do that, couldn't you?
1: Yeah, you can do it with a desk lamp. Yeah, yeah so don't. there you go. Yeah, There's you always
0: do. a way um I, I i did make a four by five and um four by five contact print just using the uh, turning my shed light on and off quickly um i'm not going to recommend it especially when, not when you're doing it on the base for an enlarger as you know you know you' like why are you doing that but you can do it um what else do we need to talk about um <laughs> I'm sure there were things. Can you remember what is? <laughs> um,
1: I've finished eating my banana, if anybody's interested. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> uh, just again, to a quick word to our sponsors, Big Banana. Um, shout out to those guys. <laughs> Eat bananas, everybody. They're a great source of potassium. Um, coming up on this week's Sunday 16 podcast, we've got a return visit from the lovely Dan Bassini. We spoke to Dan I think it was early last year, I I think it was early last year, it was a long, it was a while ago, but it wasn't that long ago, about his No Invite series, and um, Dan got in touch with to say he's been doing something different, uh, unsurprisingly, during the last 12 months, so I'm really looking forward to talking to him about what he's been up to, and how he's been coping with having his subject matter cruelly ripped away from him. Um we are going to be having next week a hopefully a hostful show that's the plan we're going to catch up with stuff and hopefully if we can get in touch and maybe get the images to them and find a way of doing this we will be finally getting around to announcing who's going to get the two sick two spurious scenes because no we haven't forgotten and we did try to organize to get together with um david and matt but it's been a difficult year and for reasons it was just not possible at the time but we have not forgotten i've got the two zines sat right there waiting still to go and um, so we'll hopefully get into that also uh we are going to be coming up with another cheap shots challenge fairly soon um i think we kind of vaguely said about something last time but if we did ignore that because i caught up briefly before everything slammed back into lockdown again um with our good friend friend of the show friend of you know all sorts of fabulous people <laughs> don't know where that was going paul Mackay from analog wonderland and paul came up for once with a really good idea a second good idea his first one was making an online shop where you can get all sorts of film that's quite a good idea turns out who knew um but his other good idea arguably better was for a subject matter for the next cheap shots challenge it's really good and I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. Uh, this is called Building Suspense. Tune in in, I guess, a week's time before we do our host full to find out what that will be. Um, I think that's everything. Right, John?
1: Yeah, sounds great.
0: That sounds good. <laughs> sounds, thanks, John.
1: <laughs> that thanks. all sounds great.
0: <laughs> yeah, yep. As I mentioned before, make sure you check out the Sunny 16 Presents feed for the next episode of I Dream of Cameras from Jeff and Gabe. Um, follow us on Instagram. John is doing a great job at least of keeping in touch with the communication side on instagram so if you want to get in touch with us through instagram you're probably gonna be talking to john um i'm hi everybody
1: (laughs) i'm not posting on there sorry i i'm putting stuff on stories because it's really quick and easy to do but i'm not putting anything on the feed at the moment but I, I do answer messages when yeah. people send them. so Which is better hello. than people get from me.
0: Um, I still haunt Twitter <laughs> occasionally. Occasionally that twitches. Um, so I am there, uh, Sunny16 Podcast on Twitter. Uh, and of course you can find our website with all the podcasts linked on there, sunny16podcast.com or better yet, why don't you just drop us a line at sunny16podcast at gmail.com because we clearly love getting your emails and reading them out. And if you send in enough of them, maybe not just one person sending in lots, although, you know, whatever, we'll take what we get. If enough of you write into us, then we'll do another backing paper before too long. Um, And if you don't, we won't because it's a pretty simple equation there, really. We will get out of here now and with great delight play once again the fabulous music of Schnauzer, uh, remortgaging the nest of hairs. It's been a while since we've got to play this, so it's always a treat. I love Schnauzer, I love listening to their stuff, and you can find it on Bandcamp and Spotify and YouTube and elsewhere. And we'll be back with you later in the week with your regularly scheduled Sunday 16 show. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Goodbye.